You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Judicial Watch's update here on social media. I'm Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. Thanks for joining us this week. A lot to talk about new smoking gun documents in the IRS scandal that is never going away. Uh, the latest on the immigration alien crisis. And Judicial Watch, of course, is doing the work of the IG. Uh, we're your own private IG. We're suing in court for uh, text messages of a top Mueller anti-Trump deputy. So a lot to talk about. But the first news up this week is some big documents out of the IRS as a result of Judicial Watch FOIA litigation. Uh, these documents show that a top McCain staffer suggested that Lois Lerner's IRS engage in financially ruinous audits of political groups. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable stuff. I'm going to get into the details here. So what was going on is that the IRS in 2013, uh, just a few weeks before, it was exposed that they were targeting conservative and Tea Party groups with suppression by uh, asking too many questions in their questionnaires, in their applications, uh, in a way that were uh, questions that were both invasive and unnecessary, and stalling and delaying the approval of those applications. Just two weeks before, you have, uh, we have documents showing there was a meeting with top IRS officials, between top IRS officials and uh, Senate officials, in uh, Senate staffers for Senator Carl Levin, who's a Democrat from Michigan, and Senator John McCain, who is the Republican senator from Arizona. And these staffers browbeat Lois Lerner and top IRS officials over their regulation of 501c4 groups, basically political groups. Uh, the background on this is that Democrats and people like John McCain, who have been on the side of the left in terms of regulating government speech, were furious when the Citizens United case came down. You may recall Senator uh, Pre President Obama attacked the Supreme Court to its face during a State of the Union address over the Citizens United decision, which was a 5-4 decision that upheld the First Amendment on the encroachments by the McCain-Feingold bill that would have regulated the speech of entities engaged in uh, political advocacy or uh, talking about candidates and government officials. So they were furious at that. So they thought of ways around that, especially, uh, certainly from the Democratic perspective, uh, in the 2010-2012 elections, where they didn't want Tea Party groups and other Republican-oriented groups, or so they thought, participating in the elections in a way that would have harmed their ability to keep and maintain and obtain power. So. Uh, this is what the background is on all of that. So they were pressuring the IRS, the Obama gang was pressuring the IRS, Senator Levin was pressuring the IRS, and now it looks like Senator McCain through this staffer was pressuring the IRS. So we had reported on this meeting the fact that it took place back in 2015 initially, and the notes of the meeting seemingly were redacted. But subsequently, in the tens of thousands of pages that we have gotten uh, since then and around then, we found the notes. And the notes of the meeting are pretty extraordinary because the staff director for uh, McCain at the time, a Mr. Henry Kerner, uh, said to Miss Lois Lerner and the other uh, staffers 
you should include, uh, let's see, they're talking about 501c4 groups, audit so many that it becomes financially ruinous. Audit so many that it becomes financially ruinous. And they didn't get any pushback from the IRS about it other than the fact that it was maybe not within their, they didn't have the budget to do so. And I'll give you the full context. Henry Kerner, let me turn my glasses on. Henry Kerner asked how to get to the abuse of organizations claiming Section 501c4, but designed to be primarily political. Lois Lerner said the system works, but not in real time. Henry Kerner, again, this is the McCain staffer, noted that these organizations don't disclose donors, which is their right under the First Amendment. Lois Lerner said if they don't meet the requirements, we can come in and revoke, but it doesn't happen timely. Nan Marks, who's another IRS official, said if the concern is that organizations engaging in this activity don't disclose donors, then the system doesn't work. Well, they're bureaucrats. They're just supposed to follow the law, not uh, try to go uh, work around it through regulations. Uh, Henry Kerner said that maybe the solution is to audit so many that it is financially ruinous. Again, Henry Kerner, the, staff, the minority staff director for John McCain on his committee, said that the, maybe the solution is to audit so many that it is financially ruinous. Nicole, who is Nicole Flax, who was the then chief of staff, I think to the commissioner, noted that we have budget constraints. Elise Bean, who was the Democrat staff member from the Senate, suggested using a list of organizations that made independent expenditures. Lois Lerner said that it was her job to oversee it all, not just political campaign activity. None of that is reassuring, obviously. So who is this Henry Kerner? Well, now he is the special counsel to the Office of Special Counsel in the Trump administration. He was nominated, approved by the Senate, and now is the top ethics officer in the deep state for the Trump administration. And he's telling the IRS to engage in financially ruinous audits. Now, thankfully, the ex this whole scandal was exposed just a few weeks later after this meeting uh, because it was in May, I think, of the middle of May of 2013 that it was exposed, and this meeting took place on April 30th. And as I said, we didn't have the notes, but we did note that the meeting took place, and based on other documents at the time, that the IRS saw that it was under pressure from both uh, uh, Cong uh, Senator Levin and uh, Mar uh, Senator Levin and Senator McCain. And when we issued the release, Senator McCain got upset because people interpreted this pressure as Senator McCain being on the side of the IRS targeting Tea Party groups. Well, that was the practical effect when you say audit all the C4 groups. And McCain's press release was, uh, you, and I'll read you the first lines from three years ago. Senator John McCain released the following statement on false reports claiming that his office was somehow involved in IRS target, targeting of conservative groups. And he's saying, well, he didn't know they were specifically targeting the Tea Party. But his staff director was telling the IRS to engage in financially ruinous audits, which was outrageously improper. And everyone knows the groups at issue at that time were the Tea Party groups. Republican-oriented groups, conservative-oriented groups, the opposition to the Obama regime. 
Henry Kerner, as I said, is now a top official in the Trump administration. Uh, and uh, I can't tell you uh, how significant this release is because it shows the bipartisan nature of the IRS scandal. There were, you know, every, everyone suspected there were many Republicans who were happy to have the Tea Party suppressed by the IRS. And then you had Republicans like John McCain, who had this fanatical uh, hatred for uh, private participation in the political uh, sphere by corporations and individuals, anyone with money. He didn't like the idea of campaign contributions that were unlimited or were so-called dark money. He wanted the government to regulate through the McCain-Feingold uh, uh, law all sorts of speech. Because you may recall, he uh, was caught up in a scandal, uh, the Keating Five scandal, uh, and he was burned by that. And uh, he faced significant challenges back home in Arizona. And like most incumbents, he got upset. Uh, he thought the, the solution to the corruption, evidently, that he and his fellow senators may have been involved in uh, was to have the government regulate the people as opposed to his regulating his own behavior and making it more difficult for anyone to challenge incumbents by making it po impossible virtually for them to raise money effectively to challenge incumbents. That's what this campaign finance debate was largely about. You know, it's funny because Lois Lerner and other documents that we had uncovered acknowledged this uh, because she was getting pressure not only from uh, Levin, but also Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who's a Democrat from Rhode Island, who wanted them to prosecute these groups. Again, put them in jail. And Lois Lerner said, you know, this is all about the 501c4s, these so-called political groups, and uh, regulating their political activity. Now, the background on this is that 501c4 groups are groups that can come out and talk about issues and people running for office as long as the majority of their activity uh, isn't that. So the Obama IRS and people like McCain and, and others tried to come around and change the rules after they lost at Citizens United. And they tried to use the IRS to regulate these groups out of existence or suppress their operations or jail them. But that's the Obama IRS scandal. And uh, the IRS also was working with the FBI and the Justice Department to figure out ways to prosecute the very groups that Lerner's IRS was suppressing. The FBI obtained the IRS files of virtually every 501c4 organization. It was Judicial Watch, our team that uncovered that. They had to return all those files. Who was running the FBI at the time? Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller's FBI was collaborating with Lois Lerner's IRS and Obama's DOJ to figure out ways to jail President Obama's political opponents and people who were on the wrong side of this ideological debate about campaign finance spending. Outrageous. So every time we hear or I'm told how Robert Mueller's reputation is impeccable, I know his FBI was happily willing to help uh, the DOJ jail people simply because they were on the wrong side of the Obama administration in this campaign finance debate. So just recall that next time you hear all these politicians on both sides of the aisle praise Mr. Mueller's ethics. That's the reality of it. And this Justice Department has dropped the ball on the IRS scandal. 
We're pleased that we're able to get more documents out of the IRS, and I'll talk more about that when we release those over the next few weeks. The transparency is important, but we also want the accountability. And one of the first things Sessions DOJ did was analyze whether or not they needed to reopen the IRS investigation and or prosecute Lois Lerner, and they decided not to. Now, of course, the Justice Department, in doing so, talked to the same uh, lawyers and uh, components in their agency that were responsible for collusion with Lois Lerner's IRS improperly to prosecute these groups. So the Justice Department was never going to, if Sessions understood what was going on, the bureaucrats, the deep staters, were never going to recommend any serious investigation or prosecution of the IRS. So that's a terrible deficiency on the part of uh, Mr. Sessions. Uh, I know there are other complaints about Russia and all that, but it goes back to the IRS scandal where the Justice Department interviewed the Justice Department about the Justice Department's prior decision to cover up the IRS scandal, and surprise, surprise, they found nothing there. What a nightmare. And of course, it's up to Judicial Watch to uncover these key documents. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mr. Kerner. You know, I, I recall when we released this material back in 2015, highlighted the meeting, I got a call from someone on McCain's staff, and I don't remember specifically who it was. But we were told that, look, Tom, you put out this material, and it makes it look like we were, we were already participants in this meeting. In fact, we were just the minority staff, and we were just there along for the ride. Well, it turned out that was not true. That was not true. You look at these meeting notes. Here are the meeting notes. 11 pages of closely spaced lines. McCain staffer is, as, is quoted as often in here almost as the Democratic staffer. There were equal participants in the meeting, equally putting pressure on the IRS to abuse their regulatory powers to go after groups that John McCain and Levin didn't like, mainly groups who were actually out there criticizing politicians and highlighting issues on behalf of the American people and their supporters. The IRS is a menace to the First Amendment. It's, it's abused often by presidents of both political parties, and in this case by senators of both political parties, to target the American people. It's a sword of Damocles over the First Amendment. And the IRS scandal under Barack Obama was the worst IRS scandal ever, and it's gone uninvestigated by this Justice Department. Inexcusable. But Judicial Watch is going to do the work in the meantime. We have more documents coming out, and hopefully the release of this information spurs the Justice Department, and maybe Congress will wake up and actually do something serious. We can only hope. And I can't necessarily control uh, what the deep state does or what uh, the, the sleepwalking Congress does, but Judicial Watch, we can do our part, and you can do your part by supporting this work. We wouldn't know about this but for Judicial Watch's multi-year litigation. I think we have 45,000 pages of documents we're going through from the IRS trying to figure out what went on. And much of what we know about the IRS scandal as it is is a result of Judicial Watch's work. 
resulting in disclosures that were not voluntary, that were forced out of the IRS about what Lois Lerner and company were up to. We got documents that, uh, that Congress couldn't even get on the IRS scandal. So again, the headline is John McCain's top staffer at the time encouraged Lois Lerner's IRS to engage in financially ruinous audits of groups. No pushback from the IRS to that outrageous discussion and that outrageous suggestion. So more will be coming. Trust, trust you me on that. So uh, also, uh, the other big news this week is the crisis generated by the left and the open borders lobby concerning the so-called separation of children from their uh, illegal alien parents who have come across the border illegally, are detained under the law, and that's what happens. You get arrested, uh, you lose custody of your children, or your children are taken up by the government or another responsible party. And in this case, the children are here also illegally, and the government uh, under the Trump administration <coughs> was taking them into custody, kind of like the Obama administration had to do. So what the left had been doing, you may recall a few months ago, you saw news about this, tra- this migration uh, train of people coming up from Central America through Mexico, families and all of that. Well, part two of that was to generate this crisis that the Trump administration was doing something uh, improper or inappropriate in finally enforcing the law fully. What was going on is that family units, and there weren't many times family units at all, but children who were being smuggled by adults they didn't know, was going on is that the family units would cross the border, show up at the border, and they were just let free, which is effectively amnesty, and it isn't what the law is. And to the degree they were detained, uh, the children were separated out, even by the Obama administration. Uh, to the degree they could be kept together, they were, until the Obama administration uh, happily signed on to a consent decree uh, as caused by a lawsuit uh, filed by the left in California that prohibited them from keeping children with their families detained for longer, I think, than 20 days. So we've, got, we've always had this simmering crisis at the border, which makes the security and securing the border urgent, that uh, children are coming into the border area, either unaccompanied or accompanying uh, with uh, traffickers, or they're here with their parents illegally, and their parents cross the border illegally, and they've got to be detained. And so the conundrum is, what do you do with the children? And it's, a, and it's a nightmare situation. I don't envy the government trying to figure out what to do. Judicial Watch has been highlighting this issue for four or five years. We know the Obama administration had secretly converted a hangar uh, in uh, Fort Bliss, Texas, to house these families and these children. The Border Patrol, we knew, was complaining that they were being asked to babysit all these children during the Obama administration. And it was a nightmare scenario. And now the Trump administration is trying to deal with the symptoms of the uh, uh, out-of-control open border and trying to enforce the law, which is what Americans want them to do. There's a new poll out. Uh, 40% of Americans 
want the families detained. Not released, detained. 20% of Americans want the parents detained and the children out. So that's 64% of Americans want these families held accountable to the rule of law. Now, what is the alternative? Amnesty. You get here, you get released, especially if you have a child. What a perverse incentive that would be to illegal aliens to come here in greater numbers. And of course, that's what the left wants. They want open borders. There are many Republicans who want open borders as well. Now, there's a legislative solution here to bypass some of the legal problems they have in keeping the children with their parents. Congress can pass a law uh, mandating that the children and parents stay together while their cases are adjudicated. Now, the big lie here is that there's a valid claim of asylum on the part of many of the parents, or so-called parents, who are coming in and claiming asylum in the interior of the United States after having crossed illegally. They don't have valid claims of asylum by and large. They may under the crazy interpretation, lawless interpretation of the Obama administration, but asylum is designed to if you go home and you'll be arrested by your government because of your political beliefs or something like that, that's what asylum is designed to protect you for or from. But the idea that because there's too much crime, gangs and violence in your home, country, that that's the basis for asylum is absurd. It's not the law. So the left has encouraged this abuse of the law and the result is this massive trafficking operation. There are few people who enter the border illegally who aren't doing it with the assistance of these cartels that engage in human and drug trafficking. So people talk about a migration issue or illegal immigration. This is a human trafficking crisis on our border caused by the lack of security at the border, sanctuary policies that encourage people to reside here illegally once they cross the border, and Congress being two-faced on the issue, uh, saying that they uh, keep on promoting and pushing out the idea of amnesty while refusing to help the administration enforce the law in the books. Now, I kind of have an old-fashioned approach to this. I think the best immigration reform is to enforce the law in the books, enforce the rule of law. And if the border is out of control, as I suspect it is, until we, you know, I think, you know, a wall is appropriate, but we should deploy the military to the border. You know, let the civilian agencies continue to provide and, and uh, take in and deal with administratively and legally the aliens that cross the border illegally, but have the military secure the border so the ability to cross is severely uh, curtailed. I think that's what we have a military for. There's a crisis, there's a national security crisis, there's a drug crisis, and a human trafficking crisis on our border. We have our military deployed all over the country all over the world, and I'm sure there would be many in the military who would be happy to be deployed here in the home front to defend our borders in the south. And yeah, in the north if necessary.
That's the way to deal with the crisis, because as long as the border is open, we're going to have all of these children and their families in the f f coming through the southern border. We're creating this humanitarian nightmare that the government doesn't really know how to deal with adequately. So um, there is a solution. President Trump should stick by his guns, uphold the rule of law, enforce the rule of law, do not encourage more illegal immigration by suggesting that if you get here, you will go free. That's the key point. So uh, Judicial Watch is uh, very much involved in this debate. Uh, our team was just at the border a few weeks ago. We were dealing with a rancher uh, down uh, who has a ranch on the border. I think he has 10 miles abutting the border. 50,000 people a year cross his property. Can't leave his home at night. They can't leave their home during the day without being armed, he and his wife. Dead bodies all over his property, regularly found. That's the reality of the border. American citizens held hostage in their own homes because of the failure of our government to secure the border. And Judicial Watch is trying to take on the sanctuary policy issue because you can have a border, a wall 100 feet high, but if they know that if they get over the wall or around it or under it somehow, they'll be free and clear in sanctuary, in sanctuary cities, that wall won't be as effective as it, should have been, as it could be. So that's why Judicial Watch is trying to uphold the rule of law by suing sanctuary cities. We've done it in the past. We're doing it currently in San Francisco. We have a taxpayer lawsuit against the city of San Francisco over its deadly, deadly, it's the Sheriff's Department's sanctuary policy specifically, over that deadly policy that releases criminals onto the streets who are illegal aliens and who should be referred to ICE and potentially deported. And it's that sort of outrageous policy that puts Americans at risk, kills people, people like Kate Steinle, the young woman famously killed by an illegal alien who was released under the sanctuary policy. We just have to sue and stop them. Because cutting off the funding is not enough. It's not enough money the feds give these states and cities. They'll say, if the money's cut off, they'll say fine. That's assuming the courts let the government and the federal agencies and the Justice Department, the Trump administration's Justice Department cut the money off anyway. So the Justice Department needs to think of more creative ways uh, to put pressure on these cities and states to stop these illegal sanctuary policies. It's got to be kind of a uniform and comprehensive, to the degree we talk about reform, it's to get everyone on board on, in enforcing the law. Enforcing the law. States, federal, uh, local. And it doesn't mean the police spend all their time arresting illegal aliens. It means that if they think there's someone illegal, they can talk to the feds. They can pick them up. Get the law enforced. And there'll be less of a need for a wall if people understand who are here illegally that every interaction they have with a government official could result in their detention and deportation. They're just going to leave. It won't be worth it to them.
And if you want amnesty, change the law. I think it would be disaster legally and morally. But the American people have spoken, and the law is that illegal aliens are to be detained and deported in most circumstances. And that's what the American people want. And the prospects of amnesty is no reason not to enforce the law. We had of that under Obama, and frankly, we had it under George W. Bush. The politicians want amnesty. The American people want the laws enforced, and they need to start doing it. Judicial Watch is doing its part to try to get the government to enforce the rule of law by highlighting through FOIA the truth about what's going on and by taking direct action legally in the courts against states and localities that are breaking the law. So uh, it's important work, and uh, we're happy to be able to do it with, obviously, your support. Um, and along those lines, we just filed a lawsuit over this whole so this refugee program that the State Department, in part, is running. We sued the State Department for Obama-era records about its refugee settlement program. What the State Department was doing was secretly uh, placing refugees in states and cities and counties across the country without letting them know. So we asked for records reflecting the locations within the United States were that were considered as possible sites for refugee resettlement, the criteria they used, and records reflecting the names of local organizations that they were working with. So we had all of these refugees that upticked, that dramatically increased under Barack Obama, and they were being secretly placed across the country with little input. I mean, we had uncovered documents from even a place like Rutland, Vermont, uh, showing a concerted effort by the mayor and a number of private organizations there to conceal from the public their plans to settle just 100 Syrian refugees up there, which in the place as small as Rutland has a major impact. So this is the scam that was going on. They didn't want you or your fellow citizens to know what was happening with this refugee program. Now, uh, the current refugee numbers, I think, are around... I don't know, $29,000 a year under, Barack, under President Trump. He's cut it back dramatically. It used to be up at 80000 a year under Obama, and so this is the lowest number since 2002. But we're suing in federal court for records about what the Obama administration was up to, and we also have FOIA, re FOIA requests pending with the Trump administration to make sure the program is being honestly run in a transparent way. So uh, we don't give a quarter to either political party, either administration, especially on these core issues, because you know, President Trump may have one idea about what to do and be very good on the issue, but as you know, the agencies that are running the show uh, really don't agree with them oftentimes, and they do their own thing, and that's what we're trying to do is figure out what's going on there. So um, we had two big hearings this week on the IG report. You probably didn't know about it if you're relying on the mainstream media. But they were important hearings because they showed two things. Director Ray, the FBI director, continues to be uh, completely out to lunch when it comes to uh, his ability to comprehend uh, and at least publicly reassure the American people that he understands the corruption at the FBI. I penned an op-ed piece for, Fox, for foxnews.com I encourage you to refer to. Uh, but uh, when you look at his testimony in his press conference last week in response to the IG report, 
his focus is, well, you know, this is just one of thousands of cases that we had a big issue with. Well, you know, it wasn't just one of thousands of cases. There were the most important two cases the FBI had in its recent history, the Clinton email case and the Russia case. And we now know the Clinton email case was infected by uh, this approach that, uh, A, the leadership was anti-Trump, pro-Hillary Clinton, and B, they were just going through the motions because they knew no one was ever going to be prosecuted, so they were just doing a pretend investigation. Director Ray doesn't think that's a cultural issue for the FBI. I would disagree. You had the FBI director, the assistant deputy, the deputy FBI director, Peter Strzok, who was the lead FBI agent who finally was just walked out of the uh, FBI headquarters and is supposedly stripped of his security clearance after uh, these new emails or text messages emerged where he said we have to stop Trump from being elected. Outrageous. And Director Ray's response is a big yawn. And what's ironic is how much of the IG report Judicial Watch, or how much of the issues raised in the IG report that Judicial Watch is investigating and litigating on its own. The IG report talks about Andrew McCabe, the disgraced deputy, uh, uh, deputy director of the FBI who was fired for misconduct, for lying, allegedly. We exposed what was going on with McCabe last year through our own litigation. We exposed the fact that he secretly, secretly recused himself from the Clinton email investigation despite the FBI saying he had no reason to recuse himself. The IG report finally disclosed that, yeah, it was a secret recusal. Well, we exposed that last year. The FBI, uh, the IG report talks about a top Obama DOJ official, Peter Kadzik, who gave a heads up to John Podesta, who was running the Clinton campaign about the Clinton email case. Judicial Watch is in litigation over that. And of course, you've got the Peter, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page emails, or text messages. Judicial Watch is in litigation for that too. Of course, we're being stonewalled on all of it. And that's another good uh, uh, point to remember. Because if the FBI and DOJ had taken this IG report seriously, why is it they were obstructing justice and obstructing Congress? In withholding this material from Congress. Why is it they don't want to turn over any of these records to Judicial Watch and are stonewalling us and fighting us over silly things in court? I mean, you wouldn't believe the petty fights we have to get in with the Justice Department to get basic information just about where they're looking and what they're going to do and how long they're going to take the search and what they're going to release. As I often joke, we have to sue to get the time of day from these uh, agencies, the FBI and Justice Department. And if they took this corruption seriously, they'd be seriously transparent about it. But they're still fighting Congress. They're still fighting Judicial Watch in court. Congress is threatening subpoenas and impeachment of Rod Rosenstein over basic information about the origins of the Russia investigation targeting Donald Trump that we know was infected by bias as a result of this. Well, we have additional reason to know was infected by bias as a result of this IG report that showed that five FBI agents, at least three of whom worked on the Mueller investigation, hated Trump's guts. We know Comey hated Trump's guts. McCabe was beholding to the Clinton cash machine 
What's going to go on with the Mueller investigation now? We had all these hearings. I haven't heard much in the way of anyone in Congress saying maybe Mueller needs to be shut down as a result of his investigation being blown up by this IG report. Well, wait, wait, we're told there's another IG report coming out on Mueller. Are we going to wait two more years for the IG to tell us what we already know, that the Mueller investigation is compromised as a result of anti-Trump bias, among other problems? Well, Judicial Watch isn't going to wait. We just sued uh, just this week for uh, the text messages of uh, Mueller Deputy Andrew Weissman regarding Trump and Clinton. Now, who's Andrew Weissman? He's the number two under Mueller. He's known in the media as Mueller's uh, pit bull. And so he's a controversial prosecutor. He went after Enron. I think he tried to indict uh, Arthur Anderson, uh, destroyed the company, and that effort of prosecution was uh, overturned 9 nothing by the Supreme Court. So he has a controversial record. He's known as a hyper-aggressive prosecutor, but he's also an anti-Trump, pro-Hillary Clinton partisan. How do we know that? Judicial Watch exposed it through its litigation. We asked for the emails of acting uh, Attorney General Sally Yates, the Obama holdover anti-Trumper who was acting Attorney General for two weeks under President Trump until she was fired for failing to uphold and defend in court uh, President Trump's lawful order. Uh, to ban certain immigrants temporarily or certain refugees temporarily or immigrants temporarily from uh, terrorist-associated countries. And Andrew Weissman, we found, sent an email to her. I am so proud and in awe. Thank you so much. All my deepest respects. Yates was fired over her misconduct that Mr. Weissman was in awe of. President puts out a policy, perfectly lawful on its face, perfectly defensible in court, and the acting Attorney General of the United States refuses to enforce it, and he supports it. And then it turns out the Wall Street Journal reports he goes to Hillary Clinton's election night party in New York, the big one. Can you believe that? How many election night parties have you gone to, citizen? How many have you gone to? Activists go to election night parties. Politicos go to election night parties. Not career civil servants in the Justice Department. And this guy is number two in Mueller's operation. You bet we want his text messages, because if there are anything like Peter Strzok's text messages about Trump and Clinton, who knows? And isn't it interesting we can't get the time of day again on this basic information? We're not asking for anything personal. We're asking about two of the most consequential political figures recently, Donald Trump and President uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, not President Clinton. We also want his calendar entries. Justice Department stonewalling us. We asked for these back in December of 2017. And we just wait, so we've been waiting six or seven months to sue. This is your Justice Department. It's a black hole when it comes to transparency. Uh, but Judicial Watch is doing, again, all the heavy lifting in court on this. So, you know, we have this big IG report here. I, got it, I brought it out again for you. Look at this thing, 500 plus pages. And it's the tip of the iceberg. We know it's the tip of the iceberg. 
because we've got the litigation in court. They still haven't turned over the text messages. We're asking for Comey records, still getting the runaround on that. They went up to two years to turn over the struck page text messages. Two years. Inexcusable. Jeff Sessions, Rod Rosenstein, they need to step up and, and, and start being transparent. If they won't do it, the president needs to intervene. And all we can do is get the courts to intervene and get the information to us. So uh, Judicial Watch, thank you, Mr. IG. We'll take it from here. We've got our own cases going on, and we're just going to continue fighting. We're going to get the information on the IRS scandal that's still out there. We're going to get the information on the deep state targeting of President Trump. We're going to get the information on the immigration crisis, and we're going to sue to try to stop the lawlessness. There's no one else doing it. And I appreciate your support for our work in that regard, and uh, we'll be pushing hard all through the summer to get some truth, justice, and accountability for you, the American people. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.